Welcome to the Beat from the True Wellness Center. I'm your host, Kelly Kennedy. And the Beats is truly from my heart to yours to help you empower and inspire you to learn how the body actually does work. I am bringing you my friends, my colleagues, the most incredible minds from around the world that I have been able to learn from. And I want to share them all with you. So that's what the Beats is really about, is teaching people what I've been able to learn about how the body works and trying to give that to you in a very simple and practical way to give you things to change your life because you got this. This is all about you and having the ability to heal your own body from within. And that's really my message is from my heart to yours. Welcome to the beats. Welcome to learning how your body works and welcome to opening your heart. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for your time and your attention as we focus in on this week's episode of The Beats. Hi. So welcome to The Beats with Kelly Kennedy. And I have my favorite guest, I am Kennedy. He's my <laughs> husband. I'm biased. Um, so for those of you who don't know, this whole journey started with Ayn. I'm not going to go through my story. I re really, have, if you haven't known who Ayn and are, go watch the other three episodes of the podcast that we've done together. Um, that being said, though, today I asked Ayn, we've been talking a lot for 23 and beyond of how people can access their innate wisdom. And I asked him to do a class on muscle testing and he's waiting for me to shut up. No, it's not. No, no, no. I was going to say, you've been asking for 23 years for this to happen. <laughs> 25, I would say. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's the year of 23. And I yes. have been asking for this for 25 years. I know. <laughs> so in all honesty, because I want people to really be able to access the wisdom within. I want them to know how to muscle test. And we've tried to muscle test before. We've tried to, or we've tried to teach muscle testing before. And he was resistant and I asked him to do it. And then we had a couple of faux pas. And so he's been resistant ever since. And we're going to talk about those faux pas and why. Um, because this time we set up a platform and a program that today in my, the podcast can be the end all of all you ever know about muscle testing. However, if you choose to go further, we're making available classes and membership um, support membership classes, I'll call them, to attach to the masterclass for people that really want to hone the skill of muscle testing themselves. This is not for practitioner level muscle testing. This is for us to hone the skill at home. Although I do think knowing you, my practitioners would benefit from this greatly. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to shut up. Mind if they did, you know, but yes. What'd you say? I wouldn't mind. I, I would be happy with practitioners. Yes. Well, so. well, and we will eventually have a practitioner course. I do think, you know, and if um, I know cell core teaches muscle tests and they do a fantastic job at that as well. Um, that, however, what I find is that muscle testing is a little misunderstood. And I wanted to go a little deeper into, because the masterclass that we're going to teach is about showing them how this yeah. is more about why for yeah. me. So first of all, back up and talk about Ian Kennedy, who you are here from True Wellness, and how you got here. 
Well, I don't know about how I got here, but I can talk about when talk I was introduced, introduced to muscle testing, you know, and I was thinking about it because I knew this was coming up and I really thought about when was I introduced to muscle testing. And so on some level in the very beginning, in the middle of my martial arts career, people were muscle testing in a different way. I was introduced to that concept of how the body has energy in a different way, but we weren't pumping each other's arms or pulling on each other's fingers. So that's a little different, right? Um, but when I really was introduced to muscle testing in a kind of a clinical way was with Dr. Versendahl, who, who created something called contact reflex analysis. And I don't even know, I don't think he's around anymore. And then it was these interesting paths of some practitioners that were just awesome and willing to teach anybody how to do this at that time, which was the early 90s. Um, and then it was Dr. Of course, Dr. Devi Nampujapad, where I really uh, helped hone my skills, as well as Scott Walker, who helped hone my skills for sure. And then all kinds of other folks, you know, Freddie Yule and all these other people that were muscle testing. So um, that's really when it started in regards to in a clinical setting for me was probably 92, 93, 94, and then from there on. So, so when we were preparing for this class, I said to him, yeah, 31 years ago. And he goes, he starts laughing. He goes, what? I go, yeah, you've been muscle testing for 31 years. No wonder your shoulders bothering you. <laughs> so I got to work on your fascia. That's all another yeah, story. Yeah. But anyway, so muscle testing, I mean, really who created muscle testing? How did it create? I know you oh, talked okay. about so I would say that they don't know who bars verse and doll is or good, good horror. Yeah. So I think the person that you, we could really hang our hat on and say was the grandfather of muscle testing and applied kinesiology is George Goodhart. Dr. Goodhart was a chiropractor who studied Chinese medicine as well as uh, neurology and really felt like, hey, you know, the concept of acupuncture meridians were the Chinese way of figuring out the electrical circuitry in the body. And so we're testing electricity in the body on some level, right? Because if I can lock a muscle, which is what we're doing when we're muscle testing. It doesn't matter what muscle we're locking, whether it's a shoulder, a finger, a leg for children, right? It doesn't matter. That's showing that electrical energy is going to that body. That aspect of the body can have a sympathetic response. So we're looking at the regulatory system. We can get into all of this, I'm sure, but we're looking at the regulatory system on some level, on, on particular levels in regards to how the body just responds. And the concept is, is that if, those locked muscles have electrical energy that's allowing them to stay locked, then there is a level of congruency in the body to whatever frequency, energy, or vibration is being presented because my system will constantly make a determination as to whether or not electrical energy will go to a muscle that doesn't really have much to do with my survivability, such as my shoulder, my fingers, my legs, whether it'll do that or whether it'll shut that off and gather that electrical energy around my vital organs, right? And try and protect my body from a frequency it's unfamiliar with. So that's so, kind of the baseline right there. Yeah, let's let's unpack. Let's yeah, let's unpack that. That was a lot. Yeah. So one is body electric, right? So we know. Um, from everywhere, from uh, you know, studying irritability, brain, brain waves to more of the subtle sciences of regulation, 
um, thermography, and, and there's been so many experts on this from Bruce Lipton to, you know, Dr. Schaffner putting the entire body electric summit together. We know that the body is electric. Yeah. We have any questions. There's volumes of books. Sure. There. But let it all goes back to Tesla. And one of the things you said quickly <laughs> was to understand the universe, right? Is what, what did Tesla say? There's just three things, right? Everything is a manifestation of energy, frequency, and vibration. And so if we're looking at that and realize that everything manifests around that, then there's an interplay for, for all creatures and all things on the planet in regards to the first thing that your nervous system responds to well before you make a decision, well before you put anything in your mouth, even well before you necessarily put something in your hand, your body's already making a, a congruency or a non-congruency to the frequency that it is perceiving at the moment. So does it allow electrical energy to flow appropriately or does it not allow electrical energy to flow appropriately? And that is on some level, let's call it an energetic uh, survival mechanism. And if you get in tune with that survival mechanism, and it's just not one other level of awareness that a person can have and a way of interfacing with, for me, five different levels of the body. And that's where I think muscle testing can get confusing for people. So it's, I, for me, it's important for people to understand that there's at least three aspects of the body that you're looking at when you're muscle testing and to make distinctions in regards to what you're really testing can be important. So three aspects of muscle testing mm -hmm. and five levels of the body. We got to unpack those in a second. Okay. Um, but the energetic survival mechanism, right? Which is yeah. what, so when you're, when you're muscle testing, right. And he taught what you talked about was you test shoulders or fingers or legs, you test extremities. Yeah. Yeah. You're testing extremities. And then the body has a congruency or an incongruency of electrical energy that shuts on and off the muscles yeah. to send energy to the vital survival organs if need be if there's an incongruency for instance right right so you're testing what you're testing in general is the energetic congruency to that frequency energy or vibration to the frequency energy of vibration that allows the body to flow yeah i'm thrown in flow yeah to 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 allow your body to let that electrical energy flow appropriately. There's a power of the energy. That was, that was the great word used to allow the energetic congruency, appropriate energetic congruency. Yeah, because there's a pattern that moves through your system, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and that can be looked at as a regulatory pattern as well, right? Right. There are so, circadian rhythms that also have to interact because you were saying as well, one of the things to unpack is that this energy frequency vibration of that we are is interacting with all the things around it because everything that manifests is an energy, a frequency, and a vibration. Yeah. Like that, that right there is a podcast, let alone Every, everything else. Everything is throwing a information to you. Another way to look at it, really, quite honestly, is everything's throwing information. You are made up of information. 
okay? And so it's the very basis of how your system is going to react to it. And, and muscle testing is a way to access that response that your system has. It, it's really that simple. What's, it's, uh, it's easy, but it's not simple all the time, right, for everybody. Because there's things that have to happen and, and things that we have to understand in regards to what we're really testing with somebody. Well, and it's a test. So as a scientist, you've got to look at variables. You've got to be, you know, precise about how to test and all of that kind of stuff. But you, you've got to, you know, know what you're testing. We're going to talk about all this stuff. But okay. let's start with, to wrap it up. Okay, what we're testing is on a muscle response testing is, is there an energetic appropriate congruency, allowing the electrical energy to flow throughout the body? Which would be considered, quote unquote, an aspect of good health. Which could also be considered regulation. Yep. Yep. And regeneration. Yep. If you and regulate, there's a better chance you're regenerating. True wellness. <laughs> yeah. Name of our clinic, for those who don't know. It's kind of, that's how it all started. I said, what should we call it? He said, true wellness, because it makes sense, because that's what we do, right? For we, what we all at Bioregulatory Medicine, whether it's our clinic or one of our colleagues' clinics, we're all looking to help the body regulate, which is helping right. the electrical energy of the body appropriately compensate and in congruency with the world around it to yeah. allow flow. Yeah. And that, that actually includes, right, blocked regulation. Yes. Oh, yeah, it's real important, right? I always talk about the idea that, you know, blocked regulation once in a while is a, is a good thing because it's, the system is going, hey, protect me from this. Now, here's the, here's the caveat, right? Chronically blocked regulation is a problem. Yes. Good. Somebody's been blocked for a long time. Now you're falling into degeneration. That's an issue, right? But I know throughout the day, my body absolutely stops regulating for appropriate reasons and goes back into regulating. And so that's important. And, and when we're testing ourselves, we need to make sure we are actually regulating in the moment. Yeah. Right? And hormesis can be good. And that's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Blocked regulation. So there's different types of regulation, but what we're muscle testing, and we're not going to go through the types of regulation right now, no. No, that could be a class, but um, in regards to the regulation, you're testing regulation, you're testing a muscle response test is MRT, muscle response. Nope. So you're, can you break down what a muscle response, even uh, other than what we just said, just kind of break that down a little further, because we know that people only retain about seven to 10 to percent of what they hear and see the first time they hear and see it. We know the four stages of learning, which we're going to ask you to go through. Okay. So knowing that we want to really reiterate this because you are so unconsciously competent, as I said in the beginning, because you've been doing this for 30 years, you want to get to the muscle and the meat of the muscle testing. But I know by setting the proper foundation for people to understand what they're testing, it'll answer a lot of the questions. So do that for us one more time. Okay. So you're, can, you're testing the, the body's congruency to an energy of frequency of vibration. And that congruency allows electrical energy to flow to a muscle that really doesn't have a lot to do with your survivability. So 
you know what, my body can survive if I lose my left arm, wouldn't be fun, but it'll live, but it cannot survive without my liver. So the body's constantly making a decision on a, on a level of energy, frequency, and vibration, where does my electrical energy need to go? I only have so much electrical energy in my system, right? So where does it need to go? Does, if this new information that's coming into my biofield shuts my electrical energy down, that means my organs are, are trying to be protected or there's an incongruency. And so it shuts my electrical energy down. How does that happen? Well, it can happen from my brain and my spinal column, which is responsible for shooting out these electrical impulses called my nervous system, right? So there's, we're fluctuating all the time between sympathetic and parasympathetic. So if somebody, if there's a demand on my system, can my body come up to that demand electrically or not, right? And so that shows a congruency or incongruency. What gets tricky is there's levels of that. Is that an emotional congruency? Is that mental congruency? Is that physiological body congruency? Is that just energetic congruency? And that's where muscle testing can get tricky for people. But because muscle testing is just one way, essentially, to test regulation. Of course. Especially what you just explained with the autonomic nervous system, the sympathetic, the parasympathetic. People might be more familiar with heart rate variability and looking, they're like, oh, but what you're looking at is always the regulation. Contact regulation, thermography is looking at the regulation. Muscle testing is just another way, subjectively, objectively, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, can you, well, let's just talk about that. It's, so, it's, it's one of the reasons that I think, you know, the heart rate variability has been such a huge thing for us because I, someone can go through that very quick, simple analysis and I know whether or not that body's regulating or not. And I've had so many, we've had so many people over the years go, oh, people muscle test me all the time. And then we look at the tests and I literally say to them, you cannot be muscle tested. It's just is what it is. Your body's not perceiving the outside world. And that's something that we need to put, definitely throw in here real quick is that if we're, if we muscle test and the body's appropriately doing that, for me, it's the sense that the body is connected to and perceiving the outside world appropriately it's not that it's not it's not perceiving it's just not appropriately right and so if it's appropriately seeing the outside world there's beautiful ways to test that fact and then we can quickly very quickly you know on a muscle test we can test hey is this mentally congruent is this energetically congruent is this emotionally congruent wonderful fantastic here we go the body's talking to me and i can trust that yep but if you don't do that and don't know that that's happening, it's as good as a guess. So essentially, those there's levels in the body that going back to those five levels of the body that you're muscle testing and you've got to make a distinction when you're muscle testing because you're not using a quantitative heart rate variability, quantitative assessment, taking your literal frequency of your heart and put, mapping that out on a graph and showing right. your, your R to R value. You're looking at the subtle body energy of a muscle turning on and off based upon frequencies that are introduced to introduced them. to the biofield of the person. And then there's the levels of the body that yeah. are perceiving that. So what are the five levels of the body that are now perceiving that vibration? Okay. So the first is the physical. Okay. Okay, so there's a physical response to it. And that's kind of what we've been talking about, really, right? Because everything we're going to talk about in these five separations that we're going to make is physical. 
all the way down to the electrical aspect of it is physical. If anybody's ever been shocked by an outlet, you know it's physical. That's electricity. <laughs> okay, so you've got the physical body, and then you have a mental body, which is really my perceptions and my thoughts, my imagination and my memory, my ability to make decisions, right? The, the, the subtle concept of the me, the separate me. And then there's the emotional body. This is how I feel about things, and that's perceived through the five senses. And then the last two, you know, there's the energetic body. That's the electricity that's moving through my system. That's different than the physical? No, it's, it's, it's the powerhouse that, of the physical. It's literally the energy that moves my physical body, my mental body, my emotional body. The thing that you have said before is the difference between being alive and not alive is the energy flowing through the body. The only difference between me right now and a cadaver is the fact that if I drop dead right now, I have no more electrical energy moving through my body, which means my brain's not working and my heart's not working and they pronounce me dead just because I don't have electricity. But if I have a heart attack and the electricity stops for a moment or my heart starts to vibrate in a bad way, they shock me. They give me electricity. Oh, and they regulate me again. And my heart goes, oh, I'm regulating again electrically. Okay. Well, it so stops it so it can start. But anyway. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so there are the five levels. And then the last one is really what would be considered today the epigenetics. And I'd leave that out on some level when we're testing, because that's testing the idea of the hard drive that we're brought into this experience with as far or as that. spiritual or epigenetic. Would you consider those the same? No. Because spiritual is that which is not physical, and the epigenetics is a physical aspect. So for me, spirituality is absolutely that which is not physical, and that's why it's so difficult for people to go beyond thinking about it or faith or things that, you know, the idea of spirituality, what that is. So anyway, let's not go down that road. Yeah, but no, no, these no. are the five aspects, and really what we're five thinking levels are mental, physical, emotional, energetic, and epigenetic. So I just want to mention that really what you're testing is the three that are being powered up by the energetic. So we're really testing the physical body. We're testing our physical body, how we're going to teach people to do that. And, and then you need to understand that is this an emotional aspect? Is this a mental? Is this a mental aspect coming into play? Is this an emotional aspect coming into play? Is this strictly a physiological thing coming into play? So and are we only, and really when we do self-testing, right, we're looking at, is this an energetic response to that which I'm presenting to my biofield? So when we're muscle testing, self-muscle testing, we should really just be connected to, okay, does this make congruency of energy flow? And I'm looking at that really from all bodies, emotional, mental, and physiological, yeah. all in time, but know that there are those three at play. So for instance, oh, okay. So for instance, the other day we were at a restaurant and there was three juices, like fresh pressed juices. And I couldn't decide between the one with kale, the one with blah, 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 the one with whatever. Sure. And, I, and I'm also tested for none. Mm -hmm. Like that's gotta be wrong. Cause I was emotionally attached to really wanting a juice. And oh. then I asked, I in the muscle test, I was like, hon, I'm sorry to bug it at breakfast, but could you just muscle test me which of the three green juices I want? And he goes, actually, you don't test for any of them. And I was like, well, hmm, <laughs> I don't care. I'm going to order one anyway. And I okay. wasn't happy about ordering it, by the way, because I felt crappy later. But that, but 
I let my mind override what my body wanted and what you confirmed that my body wanted, but my emotional brain was like, no, I I wanted to come to this restaurant so I could get one of these juices. I'm going to order a juice. Yeah. I think that's perfectly fine. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I know. I just wanted everybody to understand that there was my physio, my physiology was telling me no, no, I agree. And I tested it multiple times. And then my mental and emotional body said, oh, ask Ian, because you're just must be off. I was trying to convince myself it wasn't any muscle testing. And I had him test because I was convinced I needed a juice that would help me regulate better. And he goes, you don't need any of them. And I was like, hmm. I don't care what we say muscle testing or and then I paid the price later but point being that it was more about my emotional body was trying to override it but you've taught me so well to discover versus confirm with a muscle test yeah I think is one of the keys and let's just talk about that now so what does that mean like when you're muscle testing to discover versus confirm Yes. And that is why we always joke a little bit, especially in the moments we've back in, you know, teaching other practitioners to do this. I've always said the most difficult thing about muscle testing is you. And what I mean by that is what you interject on a mental level. Oh, my education tells me that if they have a belly problem, I should go down this road because I know what causes belly problems for people. And then you're trying to confirm what you already think is true. And that is a huge mistake. It's a huge mistake. I'm okay muscle testing something like you did the other day and go, oh, the, I don't test for any of these, but I want it anyway and I'm going to take it. And even if I suffer, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> but at least but you- unconsciously, you know, around that idea um, is different, right? So, absolutely. So, yeah, you want to discover, you want to be open enough to discover and, and not have, um, by prior to so I, so a conclusion or or an educational bias like you said like oh i know it's a gut issue so it's got to be gluten or aluminum or whatever. or whatever sure. and where it could be something else because we can talk about the emotional body but it just reminds me of a quick story that i was taking notes in ian's office 15 years ago and um I love taking notes in his office because I always learn something and I am competitive and think that I know everything or at least used to. And I remember taking notes and this woman came in for infertility and her neighbor had gotten, had some infertility issues and they both had tried like modern allopathic medicine, IVF stuff. And not successful. So her neighbor got pregnant by coming in and working with us. So she thought, oh, I'll come in and start working with us. And so I'm taking notes on our initial appointment and Ian comes in and tests all her body and muscle tests and muscle tests that her priority organ that is preventing her from getting pregnant is her jaw. And I rolled my eyes out loud. I'm sure in the corner is an ongoing joke in our family. I roll my eyes out loud. But I was taking notes in the chart and my, my eyes were down and I just thought to myself, what the hell I am like, literally, what are you doing? Jaw, like jaw's going to help this woman get pregnant. I'm sure it has to do with her uterus or her ovaries or her thyroid or her adrenals. And I look up and she's crying. Do you remember this? 
Well, yeah, actually, actually, I don't know if you remember this or not, but oh. it was the very first appointment. And I just found that that was the primary disbalance in her right. system was her jaw. And I wasn't necessarily thinking about linking it to the idea of, oh, you know, she's got fertility issues. So that's why she was coming to see us. But I just did a general like, what's going on with this body? And it came up her jaw. And I don't know if you remember or not, but she did get upset and she left. Yes. Okay. Yeah. She left for a period of time. And then she came back and told us what? Go ahead. That not anybody knew this, but even her parents, only her parents, that her sure. jaw had been broken when she was a young child for it growing forward. Right. She had a syndrome where it was continuing to grow. So they had to break it on each side. Multiple times. She came in and said, hey, you know, this is what's going on. You freaked me out a little bit. That's okay. We worked on her and she was lucky enough to have a child. She's had two now. Had two now. So what's awesome about that is that was just trusting the body and working on a disbalance so that the whole system could function better, right? There's not a, there's not a, there's not a allopathic doctor that would ever say that anything, pregnancy has anything to do with a woman's jaw, right? I mean, literally that's what was happening for my brain in the corner. And then once the process, you know, in hindsight, essentially looking back, I was like, oh, it makes all the sense in the world. Her body had this like memory that was like, oh gosh, genetics. I'm going to have a kid that has the same thing that I had. And so I don't want to have a kid that has the same problem I had. God forbid they should have to go through all that pain. So at some level, I'll just block my body. I mean, she consciously wanted to have a baby. Of course. That's the mental aspect, the mind aspect. Because the mental is what versus the emotional body? How much, what's the percentage of the mental consciousness versus the emotional subconsciousness of the body, right? Right. So So I think most people, you know, function under the idea of, how much of the mind or the brain is being utilized, right? So it's about 10% as to what you really have the capacity to utilize, right? If we knew how to do that. So I think it's pretty much the same. I think most people realize that we function primarily on a, an emotional feeling level. And then our perceptions and our thoughts manifest the mind and we try and make decisions and, you know, all of that. So yeah, it was. Well, I'm just trying to get the people yeah. to understand that we're about 10% conscious, right? Of how we're functioning through the the vibrations that we're taking in. We're about conscious about right. 10% of them, and 90% of them, the emotional body is taking in information all the time, and so we're mostly an emotional body in a physical house. Mm-hmm. so to speak, and that her emotional body was controlling most of that. And what, what I see is muscle testing. Yes, you're testing the physical, the emotional and the mental, but 90% of it is, is emotional that you're testing. Yeah. Yeah. As well as the, as the energetics may be around her jaw and the fact that energy wasn't moving through her body appropriately to allow this to happen. So <clears throat> when we talk about muscle testing, what are we testing? This is, this is the wonderful place we've just gotten to. You're testing the whole person. Mm-hmm. The, the issue with muscle testing is you're actually testing the entirety of the person. So you're testing their mental aspects. You're testing their emotional aspect. You're testing their energetic aspect. You're testing their perceptions and their thoughts about what's going on. So being able to get beyond that and allow the whole system to present to you is the skill. 
That's the skill. That's the skill and the ability to keep your own stuff out of that and be in a place of going, it doesn't matter what's going to show up here and trusting that, yes, there is innate intelligence that, and that innate intelligence is information and that information, if you know how to access it, it can be useful to us for sure. It's, it's not the end all be all. And like our great, one of our great mentors always said, don't let muscle testing override common sense. Don't muscle test yourself off of supplements. It's why we go to practitioners, right? Because there's an attachment to it. And so as long as we're in, have that understanding of what we're really testing is the whole human being. And if I'm testing myself, I'm testing the whole of myself on some level. And if that's regulating appropriately, you can absolutely trust it. And you can also make that de conscious decision to go, I'm having the chocolate cake anyway. <laughs> And so that gives us great or green juice in my case. Yeah, it gives us great freedom. It gives you more free will. I tell people all the time, you know, when we're doing that, it's really about creating more free will. If it's another tool in the toolbox that you can go, well, what's my system really feel like, you know, and Silas is a good example of that. I'm sure it was more than a year ago now, but there was that moment where I said, okay, buddy, we've got three things here in the fridge, you know, that are leftovers. What do you want for dinner? And he looked at them and he went, I don't know, just muscle test it. And if that's what we can even just leave to our kids, then awesome in learning muscle testing. Well, and I, you know, I would agree to hundred percent. So for those that don't know, Silas is our almost 10 year old son and being raised in a house like ours, you know, where I want to be completely orthorexic and dad wants to be a flexitarian and we bounce between the two, which is good and healthy in so many ways. And I don't want to create eating disorders for him. I had too many of my own to overcome. And yet, you know, it's a lot of exposure out there to standard American diets, whether it's at school or on television or whatever. And I've just noticed a difference and I pray this for all everybody. And this is one of my reasons that I want to get muscle testing out there is because he is 10. And while he eats bad food, sometimes he is the first one to start to go. Mm, I'm never eating that again because I have experience on the toilet and, and I'm never going to eat it again. So, and now I'm starting like a couple of weeks ago, we were shampooing the dog. He was like, which shampoo she would use? Let me muscle test which shampoo we should use on the dog. So I think because he's been exposed to it long enough that he knows that his body feels good when he eats certain foods. And he's made that distinction, that link. He's made the distinction link to just have my body make the distinction. And then, yeah. but I think the more we could do to get our kids and ourselves to all depend upon this so they we can start to realize that there is this wisdom and it does know what we want. And if we tr learn to trust it sooner yeah. than later, yeah how much more advanced will we be by the time we're 15 or 30 or 50, let alone, you know? Sure. So I just think this is such a tool that I feel truly so grateful to have access to more years of my life than I haven't had, right? Yeah. I met you when I was 23 and I'm 49. So 26 years I've had access to muscle testing. <laughs> but to his point, it took me 10 years before I was willing to be able to test somebody else 
because my brain kept getting involved and I had to keep emptying the vessel as he kept saying, like empty the vessel, just be an empty vessel. When you go to muscle test, somebody don't care. And so I go to muscle tests with a lot of people and right before it, he'll say, I don't care. And they're like, oh, I'm paying you. What do you mean? Okay. But he's just emptying his mind. Like, I don't care what I find. I don't care what it is. Cause it is, that is a challenge to not care. Like, you know, to remove, yeah. To remove the emotional cathexis to the outcome of whatever this muscle right. to not be attached to the outcome right or what it is and that's Isn't all that a good lesson in the flow flow state to not be attached to the outcome yes i yeah. do so if you can if you can do that with your life then um you're in the flow state people think you're superhuman <laughs> it's true so let's this has been great. So let's go back to, okay, so biofields. We've talked a lot, a little bit about that. Can you define the biofield a little bit? And this is a great conversation because I and I talk about this and like have a conversation about what is the biofield? Where does it start? Well, isn't that the same well, thing? I, I, I think it can, I think it's, um, I wanted to say this. When you sit down and the breakfast is in front of you, the body's already made a distinction whether or not that supports your system energetically or does not support your system energetically or is neutral to your system energetically. Okay, so I want people to understand. So what's a biofield? That's what a biofield is. The biofield is, is that since I'm a life, since I'm a living life and everything, whether we think it's living or not, has a frequency and a, a vibration to it, an energy to it. Okay, so I'm this pop-up of life. I have a frequency. That frequency is thrown a, a vibration. Okay, that's outside my body. That's not that is not esoteric. That's known. That's proven. Okay, it it varies for people. I find that it varies for people in size, in distance from their system. But for most people, within two to three feet, your body is already making a regulatory decision as to whether or not it allows energy to flow or not. That's all it is. Meaning that within two to three feet is our own field for most people, and anything within that field. The body decides. Distinction of that, and this is not esoteric. This is measurable yeah. frequency that is a result of the the vibration of life. Yes, right. So I'm a vibrating piece of life, and it comes up against any other vibrating piece of life, and it, there's a the, the nervous system makes a distinction to whether hey protect yourself from that energetically or that lets energy flow. There's congruency. There's so there's, there's harmony or yeah. disharmony, right? There's, uh, coherence in frequency or dissonance in frequency, right? Okay, yeah, exactly. So that's what's happening, and that's what we're really testing. That's what a biofield does now. So there's my personal biofield, and then there's this that we could call the rest of it the cosmic biofield or the Earth's biofield, or however you want to look at it. And they're interfacing all the time because it's all the same energy that pops life up right well and i think it was like different rocks as you were saying that and if you think of all of life as a big ocean or a big lake that's still and everything that vibrates is a rock or an ocean or a rock or a pebble rather that's dropping into the still ocean that's creating a ripple and all those ripples interact yeah sure so so we're testing what does my personal quote unquote biofield or energetic frequency what how does that interface with whatever i'm coming up against is it energetically supportive is it neutral is it energetically draining 
or non-supportive. So this is, I know we're talking about self-muscle testing, but I want to just talk to the clinic for a second, because this is one of the things that you're bringing up, that your testing does something. And I think a lot of people have confused. I think there's some myths that maybe we can debunk right now that, first of all, that muscle testing is either going to tell me my future or or confirm my past, right? So, oh, can you t- can you help me come and get my job that I want? Can you, can you uh, help me win the lottery? Can you help me make that guy, you know, uh, propose to me? Can you help me whatever it is in the future they want? Right, right, right. That they're not getting, they're like, oh, can you muscle test me to get that? And I want you to speak to that for a minute. What does that mean to you versus how is it perceived? Do you think to most people? So, you know, they're segmenting out what they might want mentally, as opposed to what the body might be congruent mentally or emotionally or physically. And so just because you're desiring it doesn't mean you can't get it. And I think being emotionally and mentally congruent with a particular goal is important because it allows things to flow a little easier. You're, you're trying to remo- remove some blockages, but that's a very, um, you know, I've never in the length of time I've muscle tested, I've never had anyone go help me pick numbers in a lottery. Well, I just, I, I was thinking <laughs> of things that people might want in the future. I don't know. I was thinking about yeah, money, yeah, yeah. Care, fine. Yeah. So, so okay. you can help the nervous system become congruent with that. If there's an incongruency in regards to electrical energy, sure. Doesn't mean it's going to manifest. Doesn't mean it's going to manifest necessarily. I think that's like, oh, help me make a, here's a better one. Help me make $200,000 a year, whatever the number is. Right. And so the person goes, oh, well, okay. You're, but you're in a job where all you can ever make is 80 because you're a teacher in a district. And so in order for you to make $200,000, you'd have to get more schooling. And just because you muscle tested it, what more likely would happen is once you muscle tested it and came congruent with it there may be an opportunity that arises you to get the education that allows for the opportunity for that job to allow that income to be now available to you and that you can become in alignment with, but you still have to take actionable steps. Well, yeah. And the issue with that is you're not just self-muscle testing. I mean, that takes, it takes a certain type of therapy with folks to remove those blockages and stuff. So you're not self-muscle testing yourself into a better job necessarily or things like that. No, I just, I bring that up because it's like, I want, I know in the past when we've taught muscle testing, people are like, oh, am I going to get that job? I'm not going to get that job. Oh, I'm going to buy that house. I'm not going to buy that house. Like should marry him. I should not marry him. And you know, that's not necessarily what the point of self muscle testing is to make major decisions, right? Like we've talked about in the past that it's more about, like we said, confirming a decision you made. Am I really congruent with it? Or anything else that might show up, Right. Have I lost you? No, no, it's okay. (laughs) So, you know, I just, I'm just thinking about the things like it's whether it's real or not, like, oh, um, that's the future, but also the past, like, oh, I muscle tested that, you know, my, my. Father was abusive or anything like that. It does not confirm or deny historical facts. People need to understand all you're really testing is what your body believes to be so in a congruency or non-congruency. And we need to make it, you know, we can get, you can go down rabbit holes when we're talking about muscle testing and what you can or can't do and how the body responds. I think for self-muscle testing, it's better to be in a place of just realizing, hey, this shuts my electrical energy down for some reason. 
I don't even care what the reason is. Or this actually supports my electrical system. I don't care why it supports my electrical system. We're much better off. Because the minute you start to interject my emotional life or my mental life, well, now you're dealing with a lot of emotional and mental drama. And so how's the body going to respond to that? It's going to respond to my dreams. It's going to respond to my memories that are either true or not true. And, you know, I spent some time with clients getting them to understand that your, the memory you had one year ago, an experience you had one year ago, that memory is only 50% true now. They've proven it over and over again. So how much do you want to rely on your memory? Maybe it is better to rely on just the energetics of the moment, what your body's congruent with or not congruent with. Forget about the past. It doesn't actually exist. And your memory is only 50% after one year. So holy moly, um, you know, it's a dangerous thing. That's where muscle testing as a skill becomes difficult for practitioners. It becomes difficult for people because they get involved in those wormholes where you got to always go back to the place of, hey, am I regulating appropriately? Actually, does my body know if I'm sitting down or standing up? It, is there ways I can test that simple regulation in the body so that I know I can come up against something in my electromagnetic field and I can take a sip of my water or put the water close to me and go, is there congruency with this or not? If, if, we, if people only do that, their world will open up and then muscle testing will become something that uh, you know is very useful and easy and you don't get lost in in other aspects you know you get good at it i'm sure you know we can have lots of fun and falling down rabbit holes as long as we realize hey it's a muscle test right well and that's i appreciate that and i i think that's why i honestly brought it up is because i don't want people to get down those rabbit holes and i want them to always come back to simply what are you testing and i love what you said that maybe the best thing to do is forget about the past forget about the future just stay in the present moment and test that moment test right then and there is this right. for me or not forget about what it was in the past forget about what it was in the future right now does that help my energy flow right regardless of what my experience was regardless of this because i am conscious enough and evolved enough to let the monkey the survival mechanism and override it just like I did that day. Right, right. And right. I can handle the consequences of it, but right. consciousness is the key. Yeah, sure, sure, absolutely, I agree. I and agree. being conscious when you muscle test and taking a moment before you muscle test and taking a breath and dropping in to your body and into this moment in time and this space and not thinking about a bunch of other stuff and just right. here. Yep, yep is the key to making it a successful test or not because that gets rid of all those variables and that's why i wanted to spend as much time as i did to let everybody know like what are we testing exactly if all that stuff's involved you're testing nothing right you're, you're testing, testing nothing. all of that right right you've right. got to let go of all of that to be right here to go through what you're really testing yeah and you have to get a baseline. I think that's one of the other things you talked about. Like, is there a baseline to the regulation? Like yes. testing, because I know there at some point along the muscle testing journey, we didn't necessarily test if there was regulation. I know when heart rate variability came into play for you, you felt so, like you said earlier, confident, like, is this person really testing or not? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so there are ways to just test the system itself for congruency and non-congruency, and we're looking for electrical energy to flow. 
right? And so I won't get into necessarily how we're going to self-test because that's a, a whole class, but your testing in regards to trying to tap into that regulatory capacity is the congruency of my mind on some level, my emotional state, my physical state. The body will respond to the positions that I'm in. And remember, you know, when we're talking about energy, frequency, and vibration, one of the things that actually have a very strong energy, frequency, and vibration are the words we use and the things we say and the things that we're emotionally and mentally congruent with. So if I've been called I in my whole life and I identify with the name I in my whole life, there is a congruency there electrically for sure, right? It's something that's been deeply grooved into the pattern of the being. Right. So most people will find a strong or congruent. I don't like strong or weak, but a congruent or an incongruent muscle test. You'll get congruent typically saying my name is right or I am sitting down. Does the body know that it's actually in a, a, a sitting down or it does it know that it's actually standing up or it's not standing up? And, and that's a nice, beautiful way to see if I'm congruent or if I'm testing or not really testing. So you're kind of testing like a fact that's pretty well known like in a perceived reality my name is you know x whatever and and making this your baseline statement if you're self-testing right so not self-testing it's still good always to get a baseline to know if you're regulating so just yeah go ahead so um, I'm testing, when you're doing those two things, you're testing two things. You're testing a, the mental emotional aspect of what is my name mm -hmm. and you're testing the physical position of the body. So I'm getting a mental and a physical and an emotional experience right off the bat. And is this body telling us the truth in regards to what's actually happening right now? Wow, they really are sitting down or I really am sitting down or I'm really not sitting down. So that's, it's a wonderful way to kind of go after all three at the same time. To see because if, if you're self-testing, you can't down-regulate, which we could talk about. And I do want to talk about what regulating and down-regulating is, because this isn't just for the class. This is just right. for everybody to understand muscle testing. Right. And I want people that are walking into centers that are muscle testing yeah. to understand what down-regulation means and to test that baseline. Because what we discovered was that you can test the energy of the body, but it might be behaving the opposite of how it should. Maybe it's switched, what we call switch. Okay. It thinks it's sitting down, but it's actually standing up kind of concept where the nervous system is confused for various reasons, right. which seven stressors or a combination thereof. Yeah, yeah. But regardless, when we're looking at regulation, it's good to see if the body does shift and downregulate, which you can't necessarily do on yourself. Yeah, I think you can. But you can test a baseline. I'm sitting, I'm standing, I'm sitting, I'm standing to see if the body's congruent. A, a, a clinician could do that too. I'm sitting, I'm standing, I'm sitting, I'm standing versus a downregulation. Well, sitting, I'm standing and the self, to, that is all about downregulation. Right. I want them to understand downregulation. I want them to understand what the baseline really is. And that when you're in a clinical setting to also make sure you get a baseline testing before you go any farther. Right. Right. And so it circles us back around to the most difficult thing about muscle testing is knowing whether or not the person regulates. A way to determine whether someone regulates or not without a heart rate variability is to ask those questions and to get a congruent or non-congruent response. Then I'm pretty sure that they're regulating. As a baseline. As a baseline, sure. Or I ask a question of, does this- Should I eat this? 
Right. right. Should I use this Solera Gem Citrine Light here today, or should I use my Weber Light Watch today? Before I ask my body which one is has a preference for, I first have to ask: Is, is it working? Regulating? Is it turned on? Is the electrical system communicating? Right. Because one of the things I realized, right, when I was writing up notes for this, and was that you really are bilingual. Like we've made jokes. He can sp speak other languages and picks up, but really the language you speak is that of the, of the human body. You speak it through muscle response testing and it's a translation of the energy of the body. Yeah. What? Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, and what we're wanting to do, what I would like to do is teach other people that language, get everybody to understand how to speak fluent electrical body language <laughs> and where the body is congruent and where the body's not congruent. Yeah. I'm congruent now in that, but it took me 10 years and to empty out the mind enough to want to discover that language instead of thinking, I know where that language was headed. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And there's other ways, like you can touch bodies and touch the language of the bodies. I think we're both pretty good at that too. He knows like he touches your body right where your body hurts or whatever. It's just an instinctual, like energetic thing that the body knows, but that's really, this is what muscle really muscle response testing is. It's the language the, of the electrical system of the body. And we all have the ability to speak it. Yeah, sure. You've yeah. been doing it for 31 years. And the system, you'll get sensitive to it. You know, you'll get sensitive to it. I mean, sometimes sure. I kid with clients that we've had for a very long time and they go, yeah, muscle test is for you. It's not for me. Because I can feel what, whether this shuts you down or not, you know? And that's the skill level, right? And so there's some people that have been doing it for a week. Some people have been doing it for years. Some people that do it an hour a day. Some people that do it all day long. And right. so can you speak to that about the skill set and the precision and the trust I think it's like anything else, you know, if it's a skill that the longer you utilize it, it's, it's a muscle that the more you do it, the better you get at it, the more you trust it. Um, it doesn't mean I don't check myself once in a while and make sure that am I really getting the right information here? Is there an issue with my regulation right now where this isn't working? Uh, you know, my system's thrown off or whatever, but um, I think it's like any skill, anybody can get good at it can master it can dabble in it. It, it you know it's a matter of trust it's i've had a lot of practitioners over the years especially some good friends that were medical doctors go i don't trust myself enough to muscle test and yet they'll sit on our tables and be muscle tested but they go yeah i don't i don't trust enough to muscle test other people or test myself that's okay that's okay um, so there's a level of letting go and trusting this body is going to do what it should do for us uh, as long as we know it regulates and the couple of simple ways to test the regulation. And then you just have to trust that you're going to get good information. And I know a lot of people have worked with us for a long time and they know once in a while, I just stop in the middle of an, a, of an appointment and make sure that they're regulating. And so once in a while, if I'm testing myself, I make sure, am I actually regulating or is my mind overriding this because there's a desire or, or a rejection, right? There's something like that going on. So then you got to break from that. You know, so. so to summarize, what we're testing is energy, the electrical energy, which is frequency vibration, everything frequent, everything has a frequency and vibration that's unique to it. Yep. Whether my vibration, your vibration or the vibration with this pen, which looks inanimate, but has a vibration. Mm -hmm. to it. Of course. 
everything is going to have a free because it has a color it has a smell all that stuff for my senses taking in that information right it actually has a movement right everything's moving yeah. everything's vibrating it's moving you actually. just can't see it at the molecular perceive it because of how we function but yeah so there you go we're in this big everything's frequency and moving all the time around us and your system is dealing with that all the time and as you move through your life it's constantly making a determination as to whether my environment, my thoughts, my emotions allow congruency, which is a, just electrical energy to move through the system, or it doesn't for a moment. And there's appropriate times when it shouldn't. And that just gives called, you more information. Which is called blocked regulation. And blocked regulation is protecting that nervous system, protecting that survival, or it's that survival part of us, rather, of our Take nervous system. That's yeah. kicking and going, don't take anything in right now because it's not good. That could be shock. Like for me, that could be walking past a movie that is a whatever bloody sure. scene. Or it could be, um, I don't know, it could be- It could be the lights. It could be anything yeah. your system is- having to look at on that level. And, and if we're just aware that the systems look at those things on that level, it gives us another tool to move through our lives with. That's, I think that's the biggest thing about it. It's just another tool. It's not more information that we have to understand how this piece of life is interacting with all the other life it comes up against, including what we think of as not alive, but everything has that vibration so that's why grounding is important right that's why all of those all the exposures that we can um that we have naturally are important to continue to balance that electrical energy in our system to uptake those negative ions and so that's really what we're looking at and can you briefly go through the four stages of learning so that people whether they're new to muscle testing because you know, we briefly talked earlier that the average human takes on seven to ten percent of what they hear and see the first time they hear and see it. And honest to God, that's the truth. Yep. And if we're Einstein, we might get fifty percent. So thought he was functioning at right. Most people right. So that. let's say he got fifty percent. You got fifty percent of what you heard today. If this is the seventeenth time you've heard muscle testing, maybe you've gotten a little bit. Like you know, that's how I feel about it anyway. Right. 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 So just go through the four stages of learning. And and when I learned the four stages of learning as a type A personality, it just made me take a big breath. And I re I bring it up a lot <laughs> because I want everybody to understand that no matter what we're learning in life, we have to go through these four stages. Right. And so take a breath, take a moment and know that this is a skill, like he said earlier, that can be anybody can learn how to do this. But like I equate it often to playing basketball. Like I can shoot a free throw. Uh, the first time I tried to shoot a free throw wasn't so great. The 50th time was better. The 100th time was great. I'm so out of practice now. It's been 20 years since I sat on that line and shot free throws. So my, it, like, it would take me a minute to get back to it, but soon I get back to it because it's a skill I learned long ago. And I know even when I'm watching my niece play basketball now, I'm like, oh, that's funny. I remember doing that with my elbow when I shot. Oh, she accentuates her hand down like I used to. Oh, that's so interesting. Like, whatever. I'm just noticing the things I did to get the skill mm -hmm. down. Mm -hmm. right? And when I first asked Ian to teach this, I'll never forget it. Like that was when I first interrupted his first class. He went up front to start teaching. He was like, okay, so we're going to start asking the questions. I was like, whoa, how about how they're, how they're standing? Um, let's, let's break it down a little bit because he's so good at it. And so we've got to just keep knowing where we're at 
within these stages to know how we can get to the next level, to the next level, if we want to become an expert at anything. Okay. Mm -hmm. Four stages of learning. Okay. So with any skill, it doesn't matter what you're learning, right? And you've done it your whole life. There's four things that occur. The first is that we're unconsciously incompetent of something. So what that means is we don't know what we don't know. So some folks go, oh my God, I didn't know there was such a thing as muscle testing. So now I'm suddenly aware of it, okay? Then there's conscious competence. It means if I think about it and I practice this skill, I can actually do it. You know, the third stage is, no, I'm sorry. The second stage is consciously, conscious, you're aware that you don't know. Don't know, yeah, see? So there's conscious incompetence. So the first is unconscious incompetence, which means I don't know what I don't know. I wasn't aware of it. The second is I've become aware of it. So it's conscious incompetence. Now the I'm third, really aware that I don't know how to muscle. But I don't know how to do this. Then there's conscious competence, which means if I think about it, I can actually perform the task. And then of course, the one that everybody wants is the one which is unconscious competence, which means I don't have to think about it anymore. I can just do it. So the best way to always remember those, even though I didn't, is the idea of we all learned how to drive. So the first time you get behind the wheel at 15 and a half years old and you strap yourself in, you got to think about I'm putting the seatbelt on, you know, I'm going to put the key in the in the ignition, I'm going to start the car, I'm going to adjust my mirrors, I'm thinking about everything, right? Pretty soon, you keep practicing that and you go through those four stages. Suddenly, I don't, I, I first become aware that I didn't know how to do it. Now I'm aware that I don't know how to do it. Now suddenly, if I really think about it, I can drive around the parking lot and practice backing into spots like we watch at our home all the time because of where we live, right? So people are constantly practicing how to drive. And then lastly, oh, I don't even remember how I got to work today. I just drive unconsciously. I go, oh, yeah, I'm going to work. And then suddenly you're there and you had no idea how you did that. And so now you're unconsciously competent at the skill. Any single thing that you ever do, and a lot of athletes realize this, right? It just takes practice. And suddenly there's something called body memory or muscle memory. And once you get to the muscle memory, you don't have to think about it anymore. And it really is the place when you don't have to think about it anymore. And you can let go of the mental part of it. Now you've got a skill that you can rely on and you don't have to think about it. And that's, that's absolutely so with athletics. It's absolutely so with martial arts is absolutely so with muscle testing. Well, and Ian Malcolm Gladwell talked about it takes 10,000 hours, right? To become an expert um, at some master, master anything in your nervous system. Yeah, 10,000 hours. So, you know, if, if you tried muscle testing the first time and you didn't get it, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's going to take some time. It's a subtle body energy. You're using a tiny little muscle. If you're self-testing, even if you're muscle testing in clinic and you're using the deltoid, you know, it's, it's, it takes a minute to, to feel that flow, to feel that, that subtly of the muscles shutting on and off. And how those, yep. And how the body will turn on and off. All, oftentimes we spend a little time. The most important thing we do usually with folks is to teach them how to feel this and that it's not a strength and weakness experience. It's just an, a lock or an unlock or this feeling of the muscles on or the muscles off. And it's not about strength because it, it really is once a person feels it 
then then you can interact with the nervous system and they feel it as much as anyone else. And a lot of recently I've been having people experience the bio field. So I'm not putting things in their hand, but I'm literally holding things outside and really, really giving them a muscle test experience. And then as I move this frequency closer and closer to them, they find that, oh, their system really does shut down when it's three feet from me. How's that possible? But it really helps someone start to feel, feel your energy shift and how that suddenly that muscle unlocks with that particular vibration being close to you, not even being held. So it's wonderful. It's a, it's a nice way to do that for folks. So I want to unpack that because that's huge. And you kind of briefly um, mentioned that earlier that you don't do the muscle tests for you anymore. You do it for them. Yeah. And I've been saying that at, at our center for well over 10 years. <laughs> And by the way, we're really happy that people like Dr. Shirley created the iMate because Ein's muscle testing shoulder for 30 years yeah, is a break. But it's really about other people understanding this. And, and I know both of us are known as, quote, hard muscle testers because we, yeah. really we really want the client to feel the frequency shifts that happen. But the biofield and the energy and the vials, you know, talk about the allergy elimination technique that you did for years and how the frequencies and harmonizing and how that works with the biofield. If you could just unpack that a little bit more, because I think that's so key for people understanding how everything in life vibrates, right? Well, yeah, yeah. But, you know, clinically, I mean, that's difficult for folks because clinically you need something that's going to represent a frequency to somebody. And so that's where those companies really manifested these very tiny little vials that you can sit close to someone or put in someone's hand, but it's just a representation of, of information that the body's dealing with. So for self-muscle testing, you know, you don't need anything like that. You're going to be in the presence of that which you're in the presence of, or that which you're thinking about, or that which you're, you know, so it's a little different. No, I know. I just meant from the understanding, from yeah. the understanding that once you, you know, in the beginning, you need to kind of grossly test it because you want to feel that muscle shut in and off. You want to feel it more in the physical. At least I yeah. did. I want okay. to feel that yeah. muscle, and I think well, that's yeah. that for the client. And then as as you get better and better, you can feel more subtle body energies. It's like the second, like it used to be, I am whatever. Let's say he's testing this thing, which is just a thing. Okay. Plastic. Plastic. And he takes it up against the person. It used to be like I remember. 10 years ago, he put it up against him and he'd be like, oh, that's, he could tell right away. And then it got to the point where the second he picked up the vial or the thing, he'd be like, oh, I can tell that's going to be weak on him. Like I watched him get more and more sensitive, just considering the person in this thing, will they connect? They didn't even have to actually be up against each other anymore. So you'll get better and better as you go through it. And that's what I want you to under people to understand to help you unpack or have you help unpack a little bit is that biofield and and how the the vibrations come in and have harmony or don't have harmony and how in the beginning we're feeling it through the energy system and then how it, you know basically I just did it I unpacked yeah, it there you go. but unpack that more like I want them to that is the key for everybody I think truly in understanding that the goal for, for me anyway, for 
everybody to, to feel this in their body so that, yes, you have to start muscle testing, but down the road, it's why I said to you, why the heck do you still need emotional work after 25 years? Well, yeah, but the issue becomes for a lot of folks, the issue becomes what you want to avoid is, oh my God, I'm so sensitive. I feel everything. Oh my gosh, I feel everything. Oh, how do I not become an empath? Okay. Yeah. So I don't, I, I don't, Good. We need to keep muscle testing as basic and fundamental in regards to what we're testing and how we're testing and not necessarily get to the point where, oh, you're going to become so sensitive, you're not going to be able to walk into a room. I am not, I'm sensitive, but nothing affects me in that way, right? Oh, no, and that, I'm glad we're bringing that up. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Boy, it's a hot button for you. I, I think it's great because I want people to understand that you can feel those sensitivities. It doesn't mean you have to succumb to them. You can just well, be aware true. of them. There's yeah, a yeah. difference between that. And I want people to understand that because it is a, you know, it's just like when I first people put people on sound of soul, they often feel what feels like anxiety over their heart. And I'm like, no, it's your actual sensation in your in your emotional heart. You're actually feeling opening right, right, right. anxiety. It's called a, it's called love and joy. Welcome to it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's personal connection to self. People misunderstand a lot of the feelings and I want them to, I don't want them to misunderstand as they start feeling this stuff. Go, wow. Wow. The second you picked it up, I could feel my nervous system. It's not that you're, it's a bad thing, but also don't succumb to it. So go ahead. Well, yeah. And don't, I mean, don't expect that to happen in the first week. You know what I mean? God, no, but so I'm not worried about people becoming too sensitive necessarily, but it's, it's something that becomes a psychological drama for people. Oh, you know, and that's what you want to avoid. I think that's what you want to avoid. So I, for me, it's about staying grounded. And, and I, I, even if I think that, oh, this is all, it, usually that doesn't happen until I take a substance and put it relatively close to someone. I don't necessarily pick something up and have this feeling of, oh, this is going to be weak on them because I don't want to interject my emotional aspects, my mental aspects to it that's why oftentimes if we're testing clinically which i know is different than testing home testing i don't even want to know what those four or five things are in my hand i don't want to know what they are i want to put them in blind i like blind testing because if i'm blind testing then i'm really trusting the body and if i make sure that i don't know what that is i've chosen four or five different things that is what i call a swag right is a scientific wild ass guess then i'm going to put that i'm going to let that nervous system make the decision and then with with the client because we're talking about it in this way then we both go okay what is that oh my gosh it was this vibration how about that who would have guessed neither one of us isn't that awesome we don't want to guess other than do a swag right so i like being wrong and i and i like letting just the nervous system do it without my mental ability to even know what frequency we're we're showing to this nervous system so we're just showing a nervous system a frequency and what does that nervous system do around it regardless of what it does it around it i don't even want to place a lot of emphasis on what that means other than do we like energy to flow through my body appropriately or do we not like energy to flow through my body appropriately and that's the end of that well, and that's what I was going to ask is when is a good time to actually muscle test? What, when is it a good time to employ the skill that I'm honing, that I'm having fun with, that I'm learning, oh, you know, the, the pineapple smell of the candle, soy candle, yeah. I like better than the, than the lavender and my body has more congruency for the pineapple over the lavender. What a coincidence, like, oh, that's interesting and coincidence and it's good information, but 
when is it really appropriate to self-muscle test and what is it appropriate to self-muscle test? Hmm. Stumped you, didn't I? Well, no, I mean, I think anything can be appropriate, but you don't want to go down a ridiculous rabbit hole. Like, should I sit in that chair or not? You know, so, <laughs> you know, I mean, it needs to have a level of common sense to it. So I like people testing food on some level. Foods are relatively easy to test. They throw a big vibration. Your body is very used to dealing with that. So, so for me, a good place to start is foods. Um, Another thing you can do is you can look, you can start with colors as well. You'll probably get reactions off of certain colors in regards to a muscle test. I mean, there's physiologically known aspects of colors because for instance, you know, today a lot of holding cells and a lot of um, mental institutions, if there are any anymore, that house folks that have serious mental disabilities um, or that are violent, if you are put into a room that is painted bubblegum pink, you are physically weaker than if you are in any other color. Hmm. So colors affect the physiology in a big way. And I'll put you in a pink bubble. It has to be bubblegum pink that everybody knows, and you will be huh. physically weaker in that room. Just changes your physiology to not have as much ATP for That's yeah, you don't have as much strength. I mean, I've been involved with it. It's a weird thing. So, so you can do that as a simple muscle test. You can also do the congruency of your uh, physical position, standing up, sitting down, laying down, you know, and Just my name is, there are really good baselines for, for muscle testing. And then I think things like, smell but what's the color like, or what's a test, whether food color, like you know, we might not muscle test like, oh, should we buy that house or this house? But we might muscle test eh, blue or green. I'm not yeah. really opposed to yeah. which, like, I don't have a sense which one or another. I don't have a preference, which is better for my congruency for my, for my, for me. Kind of right. Problem. Because if I start muscle testing, should I buy, if I start muscle testing, should I buy this house or buy that house? Then you're testing on an emotional level and that's perfectly okay. But you need to realize I'm now testing on an emotional level. What you're testing. Yeah. Okay. No. What do I think about this? Well, now you're testing on a mental level. How do I feel about this? Well, you're testing on an emotional level. What if I don't do a mental test and I don't do an emotional test? Well, now I'm hopefully testing on a physiological level, but I can't really separate the three out. So what's important to realize is that if I just focus on quote unquote, testing my physiology, and I attempt at keeping my mind and my emotions out of it, which I know I really can't, but if that's my, if that's my intention, and I test quote unquote, the physiology, and I know I'm going to get the other two, you've got a good muscle test going on. Yeah. Good. And you've then a good muscle test going on, because now you think you're just testing your body, but you, you're really testing the life vibration. And from a professional standpoint, if I'm going to a center that does muscle testing, a good thing for them to muscle test is supplements, therapy tolerance, the order of which to do therapies, the order of which to do things like dental remediation, scar therapies, lymphatic work, blah, blah, blah. As long as that person knows how to test those things appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. And um, supplements, just talk about that for a second. So I know when we're testing supplements, for me, I'm 
when I test them anyway, I'm coming from a framework of like trying to clean up their live blood or their CRT or like uh-huh. I'm looking at underlying cause. I'm looking at the biological division of where they're at within the disease cascade to try to reverse that. I'm looking at their terrain. I'm, I'm thinking about all that stuff yeah. and yeah. coming from an intention of wanting to reverse that. Yeah. Like that's going regeneration. Okay. So oftentimes we'll put somebody on a routine of product, whatever it is. And then they'll go, Oh, I tested myself off. I don't need the vitamin D anymore. And I'll be like, well, well what? Huh? You know, or whatever. I mean, vitamin D would yeah, be, yeah. but yeah, I'm with you. Talk about that for a second. And, and when you're asking questions of the body and what you're asking too. So now you're testing the energy, but now what questions and how to pose those questions, even with self muscle testing, like how do you pose that question? And I know we can go into a deep part and maybe we can do part of that about the clip. Yeah, that's a second whole thing, but. I know, but I just want, it's an important point for people to, because I think people don't understand I think it's good for people to understand rather that there's a different variety of questions that you're asking clinically versus at home. At home, the only question I'm really asking is, is the steak or the chicken? Which one makes energy flow in my body better? In clinic, I'm asking much more profound, deeper questions. Right. Right. So the biggest thing to realize with supplements for people in regards to self-testing themselves is just because you believe you're being te- you're testing off of it doesn't mean your system doesn't actually need it and because you've been on it for a while your system may test as if oh i don't need this but the issue becomes quite honestly 99% of the time that is an emotional test and people don't want to be on stuff and they go oh so how do i how do i lessen some of this or whatever so i i i don't even test myself for supplements necessarily you know um cuz you're too emotionally involved yeah, you're looking for an outcome on some level. Once again, yeah, and that's that's the other thing, and and that's what I wanted you to bring up about this. Hard to be your own practitioner. That's the outcome. It's, you can't be your own practitioner, which is why we leave supplements up to practitioners. So when and if you learn how to muscle test yourself, just this class and any other class we teach is not in lieu of medical advice. It's not for you to become your own practitioner necessarily. We do believe that there is self-healing within the body, but we also know we would be a fool to be our own clients. Look, that- there's been, yeah, there's been times when you can test somebody and the body goes, I want 25 of these supplements three times a day. Are you actually going to do that? No. What it means is the system goes vibrationally. I need that. Now use your common sense to figure out how much I should take over a long period of time right? It's the same thing with, oh, I've been taking it for three weeks. Well, your system might actually, you might test yourself, quote unquote, off of that. You don't need it, but it's not necessarily the case. So we have to use our common sense. We have to use our logical mind. We have to use our muscle testing all in a way that makes sense. In a clinical setting, it's very different than somebody being at home, understanding how to muscle test their own system and and making note, letting the body make those types of decisions at the grocery store. And I want to bring that up because for me, as I, as we bring muscle testing into the mainstream, which is my goal to bring this in so that every person, when they're five years old, starts yeah, learning they children learn it yeah. as a language, just like they are learning their alphabet and whatever it is language they speak, but to learn how to translate their own body's language and their own energy system that I don't want it to be misguided. I don't want it to be misunderstood. I want it just like, you know, when we go to teach manual lymph drainage, that's not what we do in the clinic. That's just a little simplified version of it. Mm-hmm. That's what muscle testing self-care is. It's a simplified version of what 
other people are more skilled at utilizing in a different way. This tool can be used as a hammer or it can be used to build, like to put in one, one, that's a bad analogy. I was going to say one like block or something versus building a house, but just realize it's a simplified version when you're self-testing and it's a simplified version of what you're utilizing it for. Yeah. And what you're going to use it for. Sure. Absolutely. That's what I want people to really, because I think that's one of the mistakes that we've seen in the past that I want to correct as we move forward, because giving people any tool, it can be used for harm and it can be used for benefit. And I want to assure for the third time that I've asked you to teach muscle testing, (laughs) that this time it's used as the tool that it's meant to be and not as something. As a real real benefit and, and done in the appropriate mindset of what this really means you know and so not the only tool we use to figure out what's going on for folks and it it shouldn't be the only tool people rely on to move through their life it's just one of many things right right. but it is a great access so over the years how has muscle testing and and i know i'm asking you spot on and we did not discuss this question but have you seen muscle testing benefit you know, you've been in practice at True Wellness for 18 years, but you've been really doing this work for 30, right? You've been multiplying people for 30 years. And from your perspective, at 64 years old, having had access to muscle yeah. testing 31 years, what's your feeling about muscle testing? Like, I don't know, like, how do you, it's grown, right? In popularity throughout the years. Like when you first started doing it, you were the for sure unicorn. Yeah. How has the industry grown and where would you like to see it go from here in the muscle testing world? Well, I think it's one tool that can be used in for everybody, a personal tool, right? It's it's just giving us a better understanding of how our own body works. I think people should know where their gallbladder is too. So, you know, understanding that the piece of life that you have right now uh, is a mechanism on all those five different levels, it should be explored and understood to be able to use to its very best ability, right? So muscle testing is just one other little tool in the toolbox of how I function and how I can access the autonomic nervous system or the innate intelligence of my body. And I think more than anything in regards to muscle testing, what I want to see is uh, if I'm self-regulate, can I understand what it is to self-regulate? Do does this bot? Can I trust what the body's telling me, whether I'm doing it to myself or whether clinicians are doing it to someone else? The most important thing is, am I going to get a true innate response, congruency or incongruency with this nervous system, or is there something else going on? And yes, my mind can override it, my emotions can override it, my physiology can absolutely override it. If I'm overburdened, the system is not going to be able to muscle test. So knowing those things is important to the point of now I can trust this muscle test. And that's where the problem has been for the last 30 years. It's, it's the division of people either trust muscle testing or they don't. And I get why they don't, because oftentimes they don't regulate and the practitioner doesn't know they don't regulate. And so now we're guessing. So for me, that's the most important thing. Figure out either on a objective level no subjective level the the level of physiology where i put a heart rate monitor on and go yes you regulate objective objective 
or really understanding that there are points on the body that will tell you whether this person is regulating or not regulating appropriately. And, and then if that happens, then the practitioner can be assured. The simple ways for us to do it in a self-muscle test is my name, I'm sitting, I'm standing. Hey, I believe what's going on with my body right now. I'm going to test this piece of fruit. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of ways to self-test. And so yeah, we're going to do a class. Yeah. Right. I've asked Ian to teach a master class on how to self-test, as you we've alluded to since we started this podcast. But I really, you know, whether you listen, whether you come to the master class or not, I really pray that you all embrace muscle testing and start to access this energy inside your body and realize that this is how your body really works. And this is how we interact with the universe around us, the biofields connecting to the biofields around us, and that we have this tool within us and that our abilities, our skills can be honed in. Yeah. It's not a belief system at all. It does not matter whether you believe it or not. It's not. Oh, a that's a good system. point. That's it's a not one. a belief system in any way. It's absolutely physiological. And just because our mind and our emotions interact with our physiology, that's not a big surprise to most people today. So just understand, it's not a belief system you know, because I've muscle tested infants and I've muscle tested animals and it doesn't matter. I've muscle tested people that didn't understand English. So it does not matter. Uh, that's a benefit right there of muscle testing that, I, you know, there's a good benefit that I've watched in your practice for years, which is, I don't care if you can speak English. <laughs> right. Like it's the language that circumvents all the other languages. Physiology. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I look forward to, you know, helping folks discover what it is to do self-muscle testing. It's not that difficult. Like any other skill, it just takes practice. It takes a little guidance. And I think if we do those two things or, and, and there's some consistency in regards to supporting people, learning how to do that, then I think it's a it's a wonderful thing to teach, and it'll it'll continue to spread. And and as long as we keep those primary things in place and realize where muscle testing fits into how I move through my life, then I think uh, it, it's a great uh, tool for everybody. And I look yeah. forward to doing it. Thank you, thank you all for joining us here on the Beats once again. From our heart to yours, Ian, is there any parting words that you want to share with the community? about muscle testing or anything else. Otherwise, I'll just, I have a little thing I want to say. No, you can. Go ahead. So I just want to say that in this year of 2023, that 23 is a very important um, number for me. And it was because I was introduced to this energy when I was 23 years old. And it was already my favorite number. <laughs> and I knew that my mission in life was to help first myself to figure out how to not get cancer essentially, and then to help others figure out the same. And what I've learned in those 25 years of study is that what Ian said to me all those years ago was so emphatically true, which is how the heck did you do that to my body? How did the pain go away in one visit? And he goes, energy. And I go, what? How do you keep it? How do I make sure this never goes away and always stays there? And he goes, B. And I go, huh? So energy and being is the flow state. Energy and being was how I and I started to teach first me how to be well and to help me discover how much love was inside of me that I was trapped, that I couldn't self-love myself and I did not trust myself. 
And the journey of the last 25 years has led me back home to my heart. <laughs> and it has been quite a journey because I have fought tooth and nail from meditation to grounding to not using my brain. I mean, I'm very happy to use my brain. I don't want to empty my brain. Yeah, yeah. I'm very intelligent. I've spent a lot of freaking money on this brain. Yeah. Um, but I've learned and I've learned to trust my heart and to let my brain figure it out afterward. And I'm truly grateful to be right here, right now, <laughs> in this moment in 23, gifting this ability for everybody to access this incredible energy inside the body and be in a position all these years later with this wonderful man to allow you all access to this amazing tool that has assisted me in my life to have a language and a conversation with me that's allowed me to feel so in alignment and so at home and so at peace. And, and I know that that is what contributes or creates, I should say, the wellness from within. That is really why I started this podcast in 2020, because I want you all to have access to that wellness within. And I want you to now have the language or the, the capacity to speak the language to that body through the muscle testing. So I pray that this podcast has started you to really want to desire to learn how to access that. And if that is you, then watch our, our masterclass or join our masterclass rather, and we will be here to help you teach that. So I thank you, Ian, for being willing to deal with my hard headedness all these years and get me to understand how to be and how to, to how energy really works. And I, I'm grateful to all of my mentors from you and, and all those on as, as, the years have gone through that have helped me understand on a physical, emotional, mental, and quantum physics level, this energy that really creates life that we are. Yeah, that's true. Thanks. I look forward to seeing everybody doing this. It'll be fun. Thank you all. From our heart to yours, have a great day. Thank you so much for listening today to this episode of The Beats. And as your host, Kelly Kennedy, truly from my heart to yours, thank you for your time and your attention today. And if this did resonate with you, please do leave some comments. We would love to hear from you. And if this further you think would resonate with somebody that you know, please do go ahead and share that and hit that notification button so you know when The Beats is available to you. We do do some live things every once in a while. Um, and as always, we pray that this information today was not only foundational, but raised some questions for you and helped you be empowered to take actionable, profound steps toward regeneration because your body is the only thing that heals. And that is our message here on The Beats. Thanks again for listening and for sharing. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.